You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person, a child. Your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Queens of Intellect member, Ashley Thomas, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Ashley. I am super excited about this morning's show. I have on one of my favorite guests in the entire world. Uh, Dr. Tiffany King, along with her husband, Dr. Richard Mo. Um, thank you both uh, for being on with me um, this morning. But Ashley, I'll let you say hello to the truth seekers out there listening um, this morning. And again, thank you for being with me, Queen. And and say hello, say hello to our special guest, um, Dr. King, as well as Dr. Harish Mo Clark. Sorry about that. Um, but go ahead, Queen. Thank you for being with me this morning. Hey, good, good morning. morning. I'm excited to be here. I cannot wait to chat with everyone and dive into the topic. I am very excited. Uh, yeah, so good morning. Happy Saturday, everyone. Nah, absolutely. And Dr. King, again, you are one of my favorite guests. As I told you um, the last time you were on the show, you've been on one of the most important shows that I've ever done in our six-year run here on Blog Talk Radio with the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I may let the cat out the bag on that particular question, but we're going to go ahead and get rocking this morning. So, again, glad to have you along with your husband, Dr. Rishmo Clark. But, Queen, we'll start with you. If you will, say hello to the truth seekers out there listening. Give a little bit of your background, and then, Dr. Clark, we'll turn it over to you to give a little bit of your background, especially as it relates to this morning's discussion question, which I'll go ahead and say it again. I'm very excited about this morning's discussion question. Can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? But, again, thank you, Queen, for being with us. Uh, and, and definitely let people know your background, uh, specifically as this applies to you, Queen. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. A um, little bit about me. I, I grew up in uh, Harvey, Illinois, um, just outside of Chicago, and 
um, have dealt with daddy issues for the last, now I'm 45, so I would say 45 years of my life. Um, I am grateful, though, that I grew up with a strong mother, um, strong grandmother, and praying family members who um, allowed me to work my way through um, those issues and continue to let me work my way through those issues. Um, I think that it's because of them that despite the fact that those issues exist that I've been able to um, overcome just the, the, the challenges of a childhood, you know, being raised by a single mother, um, you know, growing up in a community that had plenty of life, if you will, and um, pursue higher education and, and ultimately what I would say um, is become a, a, a growing and thriving mother and wife. And I just think that um, I'm grateful that I can even be here today to share my story and um, share the story that I think continues to be a part of what shapes me as a woman and um, a parent as well. Well, Queen, we are absolutely glad to have you. Uh, without further ado, uh, Dr. Richard Moe Clark, thank you, King. Um, I don't know if you feel like you got roped into this, but uh, <laughs> uh, just <laughs> to, to how we even got to today. Um, you know, with the pandemic, uh, I usually try to keep up with your family uh, through Dr. King, which I've been knowing her. I think we figured out well over tw- maybe 25, definitely over 20 years. Uh, but we've been knowing yeah. each other for a long time now. And um, so over the years, I would always just check in with her once or twice a year just to see how she was doing. Um, definitely yeah. um, I want to applaud you, King, for just taking care of a, a sister who I, who I admire greatly from the day that I met her and was just, you know, happy to know that, you know, in a sense she had, she had found, in a sense, happiness within the family. Um, but with that said, this is my first time actually speaking with you. And, and again, yeah. just to give a little context to how this conversation even happened, uh, with the pandemic, we really kind of had missed each other. I reached, reached out to her in the holidays like I typically do um, and just didn't reach each other. And um, eventually she just kind of picked up the phone and said, hey, what's up? And um, she was basically just telling me she was still following and listening to my show, which I was so happy to hear. And uh, in that dialogue, we ended up creating two other shows. Um, she was on a show just a few weeks ago with us, uh, just from that quick dialogue. So we're still connected, even with a couple of years missing. So I'm just basically giving that context to say, hey, glad to have you here today. And in that dialogue with her, somehow it kind of popped up. And I said, you know what? It'll be a great show. And it was something that we, I forgot what she and I were talking about. And I was like, it would be a great mm-hmm. show is if we do today's show and your husband's with you. And she was like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. He's down to do it. So she said that really without asking you first. So I hope. I, I know. Ready. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, hope you, I know. I hope you're really okay with being here today. But I yeah. definitely have to the fact that you came is why you successfully been married for 18 years. Sometimes you know you yeah. just have to do what your lady say do when she you know, say, well, I already kind of put you in it now. So. Yes, <laughs> man. I appreciate your applause, man, because, yeah, I've been hanging on for 18 years with this, man. But, uh, <laughs> no, nah, in all seriousness, man, you know, I'm happily married. Um, I love my wife. Uh, I'm a, uh, just to give you a little context about me, I'm a mental health professional. I'm a school psychologist. Um, I've been working as a psychologist and uh, principal here for about 22 years. Uh, I'm originally from East St. Louis, Illinois. Uh, I was born and raised there. I uh, matriculated at Tuskegee University, uh, fresh out of high school, on an Army ROTC scholarship. Thereafter, I went to Southern Illinois University. Um, I got a master's, de- a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a specialist degree 
in school psychology from Southern Illinois University with an emphasis in educational leadership and policy studies. And then thereafter, uh, I matriculated at Loyola University, Chicago, where I got a Ph.D. in school psychology. Uh, I've worked as a school psychologist uh, in the Chicago public schools, as I mentioned, for the last 20-something 20, 20 odd years. And then uh, my wife made this faithful decision to uh, for us to move out here to the southwest. Um, well, we both made the decision that, obviously, I'm, I'm here. And so we've moved to Arizona. Um, where I've um, began working as a director of special ed. Uh, I teach university courses, specifically uh, lifespan development, uh, applied behavior analysis, neuropsychology, uh, and a few others, uh, just to give you my background. So um, my wife and I met in a statistics class at Loyola. Uh, <laughs> so I always tell the story, you know, when I first met her, uh, she wasn't really interested. I, I'm pretty sure a lot of guys have this story. You know, you you you, you see a you see a, a, a peacock with the feather, with the with their plume uh, and their feathers, and you know you're attracted, but the peacock is not necessarily attracted to you. They just showing the world they plume. So uh, yeah. I think that was the story uh, with Tiffany and I. She was you know happily uh, involved in, in whatever relationship she was involved in, and when I saw her and I met her, so. I shot my shot and it rammed out, Montoya. You know how it goes, but I know exactly you know, how it goes. Yeah, I was I was persistent though, man. You know, because me, I'm, I don't. You know, I'm not gonna cry and die over it. So I just kept my stoic nature and kept going to school. And I tried to ignore her and didn't pay attention. And then finally, she she chimed in and was like, you know, uh, 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 you know, let's have a tea or something. And it really happened because of. Uh, uh, a problem that we were given in class. Uh, and uh, she sat by me one day and I looked at her problem and I realized that it wasn't something quite right with it. So I just mentioned it to her. And I think that's where I stole the show at because my it mind, Switch. yeah, my mind, <laughs> she, she recognized logo three, baby. that logo this dude, three, Dr. Clark. <laughs> I'm sorry. What I say logo say? three. When that man came past and he looked at the paper and he checked, he checked mine. He he got to me first. He said, good hobby. That's that's what they called me in school. And then he walked to her. He said, very good, Tiffany. And checked her paper. And I must have looked up at her and she looked up at me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she said, you should let me buy you tea. And I said, "Well, I don't drink no tea, but we walked down in the UC, and it was it was a match made thereafter. I think we stuck together like glue from that point on." Um, uh, I love it, brother. So, I love that story. Again, hey, we're gonna call that the yeah. logo three. You feel me? Logo three. Uh -huh, logo three for the logo. You, yeah. <laughs> for sure, yeah, you know. But uh, you know, it was in the end. Uh, I think it was just a, a good match uh, for she and I. Uh, we both, like I mentioned, we both have PhDs. Uh, a lot of people co compare us and liken us to the Huxtables. All, all of my friends say, you know, the Clarks, you guys are the closest things to the Huxtables that that we can really uh, imagine. And so I, yeah, I really dope. take pride in that, the fact that the black yeah, family dope. unit is recognized. Yes. And we've stuck together all this time. And then here we are in the Southwest where it's predominantly Hispanic and, and Caucasian folks. I mean, right. it's, a, it's pockets of us. Don't get me wrong, but we right. are not the dominant culture here. Um, right. And so for I think it's just really important for them to see 
You know the Even black family unit. No, nah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's more important. No, nah, that makes sense, mm-hmm. man. Thank you for that um that backdrop. That was beautiful. Uh we are yeah. Um, almost, we up against the break um just a little bit, but I wanna start the way I typically start. Um Ash, I think you've done this with me before, and so we're just gonna do give a quick thought. Not a secondary thought, just a quick thought so we can get to break. Um Ashley again, just you know, kinda show I guess how to do this. Uh but basically when you first heard the the discussion question, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? When you first heard that question, just the first thought that came to your head, not the second thought, but the first thought. So, um, Ashley, when you saw this topic, what did you think in your head? Oh, I, I absolutely had to be in on this conversation. That was my absolute first thought. It applies right. real life to me. So, I can respect that, Queen. All right, well, good. We'll start with the other queen, Dr. King, Dr. Tiffany King, if you will. Your first initial thought. I certainly have daddy issues. I can dig it. And, uh, brother, we again, as we said, we roped you into this thing. So when you heard, saw the question, because yeah. I'm pretty sure she roped you in without necessarily saying what the question was. So now that you heard the question, seen the question, what was your first initial thought? Um, yeah, absolutely. I believe women can certainly overcome those issues, however, all do not. Um, mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, that's my first, that's my initial thought. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. We're going to go to break, and we're going to get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion question, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? I will give out the phone number for anybody out there listening online. The number is 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 if you want to ask a question or want to give us your three cents on this morning's discussion. We'll be right back. Or all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. If you are a teenager or have a teenager who wants to be an entrepreneur, this commercial is for you. 20-year-old J.L. Priester brings you the Passion to Profits virtual webinar for youth 20 and under, looking to get a jump start on entrepreneurship. JL started her first business at 14 years old and now teaches young entrepreneurs how by the age of 16, she was earning up to $75 an hour vending at events, sometimes bringing in over $1,800 in one weekend as an entrepreneur. JL's hands-on, step-by-step teaching style makes the Passion to Profits webinar an easy-to-understand guide into first-time entrepreneurship. JL also loves to share her marketing secrets for how she grew an online community to generate repeat customers. If you have an idea you are passionate about and want to turn that into a profitable, well-run business, then look no further than the Passion to Profit online webinar, Saturday, November the 20th, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For ticket info, please visit mycaponya.com. That's M-Y-K-U-P-O-N-Y-A.com. What kind of relationship do you have with your father, your real father? It's often ambivalent, right? 
because there is an element of him that encouraged you, hopefully, because without the encouragement of your father, man, the world is a dismal place. It's very difficult to be a courageous person unless you have your father in, in body and spirit behind you. It's very de demoralizing. Like, it really kills people not to have their mother. They just don't recover from that. But, and, and I think people can recover from a fragmented father relationship, but it's the next worst thing. You know, because if your father rejects you or doesn't form a relationship with you, it's as if the spirit of civilization has left you outside the walls as of little worth. It's very difficult for people to recover from that. So the father should be an encouraging force, but can be a tyrannical and crushing force. And so that's very, that's a very difficult thing to get right. Partly because if you're my son, then I should impose. The Welcome back. Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? Our special guest is Dr. Tiffany King, as well as Dr. Richard Moe Clark. Thank you both for being on with us. Um, Ashley, I'm going to start with you just very briefly. Um, again, y'all basically given original, you know, your first thought, saying, hey, this is definitely a thing. And he, we hear a cut from um, Jordan Peterson just saying, hey, the issue, you know, if you don't have your mother, that's almost damn near impossible to overcome, according to him. Uh, but the next worst thing is, in a sense, that, you know, that relationship uh, with your father. So basically, I think I want to give get some context from both of the ladies just to whatever you're willing to share in reference to today's discussion, uh, some of your own history, just so that we have that context before we really get deep and dive heavy into the actual discussion. So, um, Ashley, I'll let's start with you just, again, just, you know, whatever history you're willing to give to help us out navigate this show. Yeah. So, um, for me personally, I was raised in a single-parent household. My mom raised me. Um, I actually did not meet my father for the first time until I was a freshman in college. Um, he was incarcerated the entire time. Um, after I was conceived, he, he got locked up. So the first time I met my dad was my freshman year, winter break, um, after he was released from prison. And uh, so for me, this is very personal, right? Because it, it impacts me. I'm single. I'm not married. Um, I'm now at a point where probably in a year or so I'll be dating and I want to know how, how it's going to look for me, you know, how I'm impacted by this and, and really unpack and learn more about myself and how this might be manifesting in my relationships or, you know, other interactions with other people. Nah, fair enough, and we got the perfect guest on because, you know, uh, I'm gonna say this real quick before I go to you, Doctor King, Doctor Clark, um, brother. I think you, you know, I was, I was wondering, you know, when you figure, I say, well, he figured it out. They were together for 18 years. I say he's a doctor in psychology. He might have had a cheat code in this thing, man. Compared <laughs> to, to most brothers out here trying to figure this out with some of these ladies with daddy issues, and you know, we can have daddy issues as men too. Um, so we're not opposed to that. But Doctor King, if you will whatever you're willing to share again, just to give us some context and backdrop before we get directly into the discussion. Absolutely. Um, so I think my story sounds a little bit like yours. Um, I uh, met my father. I know when I was around five years old, I do remember vividly him coming um, to my mother's house at five. And he brought at that time his, um, his, his current wife who they were just dating at the time. And then, um, 
I remember going to the mall, spending the day with him, and then I didn't see him again until um, I found him um, as a freshman in college as well. I made con- I made maintained contact with some of his family members, and it was it was made very clear to me at the you know as a child growing up that I wasn't accepted um, by his you know wife, and so that was the reason why we didn't have a relationship. Largely was because of the, that conflict between between them, and so. Um, I tried to reconcile that, of course, as a kid, wasn't able to get to college, and this longing was there for me to meet him and to know him, you know, myself, you know, kind of, hey, where have you been? Why aren't you a part of my life? And um, this is ironically how you and I met Montoya. Mm-hmm. Flew to, uh, connected with him and flew to uh, South Carolina to meet him. In my mind, it was really almost like the first time since I hadn't, I hadn't seen him since I was five. And... Um, you know, I think I had big expectations for that relationship and what it would look like, but unfortunately I was met with the realization that um, he longed for a relationship with me, but his spouse did not agree with him having one. And so um, I thought I was flying in town to go meet my sisters and to meet his wife and to, you know, begin what would be this, you know, extended familiar relationship. And instead I was met with, you know, my wife told me if I brought you home, um she would leave, and so I need you to stay with the friend. It's a good friend; you can trust him. You'll be safe. Um, and so I was, I was uh, shuffled over to your house, and that's how we met and became great friends. And so, over the years, we've tried to establish a relationship, but as you can imagine, it, it's that's been extremely challenging. And so, you know, I think I've come to a place where I've kind of accepted what it is. Um, I've definitely healed in ways that I didn't uh, imagine I would. Um, but definitely there's still this, this this stain on my heart that I think will never disappear because I recognize that um, I'll never have that relationship that I thought that we'd have. And so I've had to settle for what he can give at this point. And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever reconcile that to- totally, but, you know, this is where we are. Well, thank you both for, again, your stories, uh, for sharing, you know, any of that you that, that you wanted to share. Um, I'm going to go with the ladies again before we get around to Dr. Clark on this. And so basically, Ashley, I'll come back to you. Um want to hear both of your viewpoints in whatever understanding you think you have due to that disconnect with your father. As uh, you know, obviously both of your stories is pretty revealing in the sense that there was really no relationship for most of your um you know, for for your younger years, I know a lot of people in our community have those stories where, uh, you know, like my father was in and out of my life, most of my life, and then he got married, and it was, you know, pretty settled, and he was a strong relationship through high school, and so I'm from a small town, so a lot of people have these daddy issues or, you know, mother issues, whatever you want to say, just due to sporadic involvement, but your, both of your stories is very little involvement whatsoever, and so um, as best as you could tell on your own because again you didn't have them around to even figure this out um do you feel like ashley again i went and dr king if you'll answer this as well um do you feel like um not having that relationship affected relationships that you would have with with um you know maybe men that you dated throughout your life from teenage years even into adulthood if you could share with that what 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 things you think can't or, or maybe your daddy issues as best as you could tell yourself if that makes sense. Yeah, so um, I I don't currently have a relationship with my father, so I feel like for me in in the ways that I've seen it kind of manifest is 
it is it is very hard for me to find safe spaces in black men because I've not had a safe space in a black man. So, you know, I, I recognize that sometimes it's hard for me to trust men. It's very hard for me to lean on them because I don't think that they'll be there. I don't think that they will maintain that. And I think oftentimes um, a lot of my interactions with men, it's been very sexualized just because, like, my body and how I'm shaped and, like, just my experience growing up as a young girl being overdeveloped, I've never had safe spaces in black men. So I, I know that's a thing that I have to overcome in relationships or make partners aware of. Um, I, I think that I would also say it it definitely feeds into self-esteem when I think about the conversations that parents should be having in terms of helping children establish healthy self-esteem or understanding themselves and understanding their emotions. I, I feel like that plays a part. Just conversations and game that you would expect your father or a father figure to put you on as a woman to be prepared for the things that you're going to experience with men. I feel like I've missed out on those conversations. Um, and I think some of it also manifests in the type of men that I select where I, I have traditionally been the one that has been, you know, like just doing everything. I, I know that it's, it's an imbalance in terms of my femininity and masculinity just because I've had to be both, right? Like my mom had to be mm-hmm. both people for me in, mm-hmm. in her attempt to try to raise me, and that manifests in me doing that for myself and making sure that I'm good. I have to operate in both energies, and so I see how that throws off and, and misplaces things in relationships because it's hard for me to be feminine or in that feminine energy because I always have to make sure that I'm good. Um, so, yeah, just a few things that I've noticed. Now, I respect that, um, Dr. King, as you highlighted, um, you know, how I met you, um, you know, obviously was under some quite different circumstances, and I recall in meeting you, I was like, wow, this this girl's amazing. She's, a, she's smart. Um, you had accomplished so much, you know, up until that point. And so it's kind of mind blowing, and you know, I'm thinking, you know, why wouldn't, in a sense, you know, his wife want to receive this amazing daughter who could be an example, if, if you will, to her other daughters, which I knew obviously he was a good friend of mine, and so just playing the role as best I could. And so you pretty much was very accomplished as an individual, if you will, but as you said, you were really longing for that relationship. So how did you see any daddy issues play out for you, Dr. King? in a sense, prior to the point of even me meeting you, again, you were a freshman in college at that time. Sure. So I think a, a couple things kind of um, set the foundation for me at, at, at that point in my life. So my mother uh, did remarry, and she married, you know, at the time, a, you know, what I would consider a stellar man. He accepted my mother with, you know, me as her oldest child, and he never treated me as a stepchild. And so I had this glimpse for a little bit into what a good father was. He, we, we had a great relationship, but unfortunately, he, you know, this was the, the 80s by now, and crack cocaine hit the black community, and he was still victim to it. And that totally changed the dynamic in our household. He became a different person. And so I think part of me at that, at that during, during those years was longing for my biological father because I was hoping that he would rescue me from the situation. You know, my mother was mm. confused. 
you know, the man who I saw as this this father who loved me and accepted me as his own had become a different person. And um, I, I just kept hoping that, man, I, I remember meeting, you know, my father, and I bet he's a good guy. He's in the military. You know, I want to know him. And so that, that just that fed this hunger and desire for something that I think I, I glamorized and fantasized about in my mind that, you know, if, if I could just meet him, you know, he's going to save me from this situation. Um, of course, that didn't happen. And so when I finally met him and we began to kind of dig down into, you know, why he disappeared and why he's not a part of my life, I think that um, there, there was a, a, this this great immense amount of just anger there because I felt betrayed. I felt um, abandoned. And so uh, for me, that, that manifested in ways that, as you said, Ashley, it, it led to distrust and just not being um, – willing to relinquish control in a lot of situations because I felt I had to protect myself. And if, you know, if, if, if uh, I'm not going to have a father or, you know, I have this, this mother that's a victim, I got to, you know, take care of myself. And as the oldest child, I was having to take care of my younger sisters. And so I think that it's led for me um, into being a woman who, um, you know, I know my husband will, will underscore this, that has needed to be in control. I've needed to, own my own path and not depend on others because who can I depend on? My father left. My father, you know, is, is, hasn't been able to fulfill this role that I've needed him. While I have a you know beautiful mom um, who did what she could do, I recognized her limitations and her weaknesses, and, and I didn't want to be that for, you know, for any man mm-hmm. um, situation with the man. And so I think I probably, you know, definitely have given my husband some hell over, over the years in terms of needing to protect that part of myself. Um, until I realized that, you know what, it's okay for me to, to rest in his arms and to let him be the man he is and, and um, be my protector. And, and, and I need that protector. I can't, I can't be the strong woman all the time. Um, and over the, over, you know, the 18 years of our marriage, I've, you know, God has blessed us to have lessons that have taught me that over and over again, where I've power of man and the, the necessity of men and the power of fathers. And so, while I still have these uh, deficits or, or, or voids, if you will, because of, you know, where our relationship is now, um, I still recognize that wholeheartedly that doesn't mean that that's how all men are and how all men will be. Um, and so I think that there, there's, there's revelation and there's power in that, and I'm grateful for being able to come to this place where I am now and, and knowing that. But you don't slip up and bump your head as much as you used to, basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we all we all forget to break, but I thank both of you for those amazing backdrops. Uh, we'll definitely get some thoughts from Dr. Clark. I'm gonna play uh, a commercial and a poem in reference to this, because again, I know this story can relate to a lot of people many different ways. So take this in, and we'll get into some more dialogue. But if you're just now tuning in, I'm fortunate enough to have special guest co-host Dr. Ashley Thomas as well as. Dr. Tiffany King and her husband, Dr. Harish Moore Clark, as we get into this morning's discussion, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. 
If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hyatt Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hyatt Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency. Serving Atlanta since 2016, the KG Hyatt Company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth. Contact them at kghyatt.com or 833-544-9288. Again, that's 833-544-9288. He said, I only write about the bad things. Say, I can't remember the good things. Said, I couldn't know or remember all that bad. Said, I was too young. Guess, I got a good imagination. He said, I'm still writing about old stuff. Guess, I ain't got over it yet. He don't like how what I write make him look like he ain't shit. Like he ain't raised his kids. Like he don't love us still. Guess I shouldn't write the truth. Guess I shouldn't write how I feel the way I grew up, the way I woman now. Guess I shouldn't make him look like he ain't nothing but some sperm donor, some dude. He say he's tired of not being the hero in my poems. I say, me too. I write what I know. He don't like the memories he left me with me neither. Don't like being reminded of his faults. But I look in the mirror every day, got his face. What that make me? I say, how I'm supposed to escape. He say, you bitter. I say, that's what happens when you leave and ain't got nothing when you come back. I say, well, I'm from that shit hurts. He say, you ain't going to be successful. I say, you made sure of that. And even if I am, you ain't going to have shit to do with that either. He say, I bought you ice cream once, took you to the movies a few times, made you dinner, played you in taking that time. Remember, remember I came to your volleyball game once, and that one time you played powder puff? Remember I met your boyfriend once? Twice, maybe three times. Remember I bought that one book for that one class when you was in college that one time? Remember I came to your graduation? Remember I was at your wedding? Remember we danced? Remember, remember, remember? I say you show up to be seen. To get praise and glory that don't belong to you. Damn, I must be ungrateful. Needing more than one book. Help paying off these student loans. Oh, you've done shit. Guess I shouldn't need for shit. Not that shoulder when I got that divorce, when I almost got raped, when I broke my ankle playing those sports. Guess I was only hungry once. Can watch the same movie for the rest of my life. Eat only one flavor of ice cream, but I heard Baskin and Robbins got 32. Guess I ain't even no talking to on how to get hurt by all these boys. You the best lesson. Guess when you left, your hurt was enough for the both of us. You right. I act like you ain't do nothing. Guess I ain't Christian. Guess I can't get over it. I'm so mean. Talk to you so bad. Treat you so funny. Guess when I grew up without you, I took you from me. Guess without you, I'd have nothing to write about. So thank you for teaching me how to make nothing out of something the way you raised me. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Chiefs, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? Our special guest, uh, Dr. Tiffany King and her husband, Dr. Rishmo Clark, have done, she's been able to do just that. Um, Dr. Clark, I wanted to jump it over to you real quick. Uh, and as you gave that amazing story to how, you know, this, this, young, this beautiful young peacock, piqued your interest and you finally hit the logo three and, and, and you know, wrapped her up and never let her go. Uh, can you recall, yeah. think of, thinking about this morning's show, can you recall 
maybe the first time you felt like you were experiencing a daddy issue with, with Tiffany, um, I'm assuming possibly showing itself in the dating years. Because, again, as a friend, I clearly knew she had them, but I don't know what your experience were with her in getting to date her, if you will. Yeah. Um, I mean, hindsight being 2020, in retrospect, when I think back, those issues were always there. I just didn't know, I, you know, early on, I didn't really, you know, you you have to grow to uh, know people. And so I didn't really know deep, deep down what her issues were at that time. But certainly they manifested their, themselves in, in our everyday lives. Tiffany wanted to, you know, when, when, when uh, Tiffany said it was time to get up and go to Walmart, you know, it was time to get up and go to Walmart. When Tiffany said we want, we it was time for us to do this and that. It was, you know, it was. She was like a drill sergeant early on, and uh, and while I I grew an affinity for it, I thought it was cute. At times, it was annoying because I'm just like, you know what? I didn't go. I didn't grow. Up. First of all, I'm older than you, so you don't have to pipe down because I'm like, man, heck, you know, I ain't gonna, you ain't gonna just be running me around this earth. At any moment that you feel that you get a whim to go, I remember one day I got so mad at Tiffany. It was like a Saturday. We had been shopping all day long, and, and then Sunday morning it came, and you know I'm in landing bed. She's like, "All right, come on now, it's time to go." I said, "Girl, you can go by your dang self. Here, here's the card. Get me alone. It's like you're not getting ready to control my every movement." So uh, I, I realized later on that that control was really her. Um, her yearning to want to have some 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 reliability in her in her mm-hmm. life, her environment, especially as it related to her male counterpart, and mm-hmm. I would imagine that um that yearning to want to have that control with her daddy. You know, we always want to be able to say, "Hey, I'm going to call my daddy." You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, my daddy will help me fix this. My daddy gonna make this right or. Or what have you. I mean, well, nowadays we don't even hear the word daddy too much anymore, especially from the young generation. There's pop and, and, and famo and bruh and all of that. But, you right. know, I imagine that she wanted to be able to exercise that power and that will and that control um, over me as if, it, if if I were her father. That would just be in my own imagination. So hopefully I answered your question with that. I no, very early no I love it. That's, yeah, that's a beautiful thought. Uh, for the callers yeah. out there, um, yeah, no, absolutely. For the callers, if you want to get in, 416, I see you call back in. Make sure you're pressing 1618, area code 618. If you're wanting to get in on this morning's discussion, you do have to press 1. For anybody online, the number is 646-787-1691. Again, you do have to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak on this morning's discussion. Um, so, now nah, I love that was perfect. Now nah, I love hearing that backdrop. Um Tiffany, I would imagine, I would assume, um, and this is how most of us are in our relationships, uh, you know, again, in our friendship, we were, obviously, I met you under those circumstances, so we would quite often talk about the situation. I would try to learn more, try to understand as a friend, you know, at a distance, unfortunately, um, try to be there for you. So I can imagine that Hiroshima um, probably wasn't, you didn't, you know, even even when you finally let him hit the, hit the shot, right, when he finally hit his shot if you will, I know from the beginning you're not leading off with, I have these issues with my father because it's not normal. This is a new person in your life. So I'm pretty sure, I'm assuming, we would have more dialogues about that. Do you recall when you maybe inter- you know, got comfortable enough to introduce uh, Richard Bo to your 
situation with your father? Because eventually with somebody you get intimate with, eventually you're going to start sharing your story. Do you recall how long it took to even share, hey, I have this issue with my father? Because, you know, I, you know, you, we know you actually were already getting therapy, which is a smart thing. Well, again, I love that about you, and Ashley, she's that way too. Y'all were quick to get therapy, but even with that, when were you willing to even share with the Richard Moe, hey, I have these issues with my father, and what was that like having to consider sharing it, you know, with him um, based on how deep-seated they were for you? Absolutely. Um, I think that over the years, we had surface-level conversations probably the first few years of our, of our you know, engagement. And so mm-hmm. I'd gone through therapy prior to um I was getting married, and I thought that I'd, you know, really come to a, a better place mentally about it, emotionally about it. But he, he I remember um, distinctly Calvin wanted to come visit. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying names. My father wanted to come visit. Um, and at that point, we'd been married for, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. Um, we had We had one child, and... That visit terrified me at the moment because I knew I, I realized, you know, with him wanting to come visit that those feelings, you know, just started welling up inside me. You know, really it was anger. It was, um, you know, anger was probably the most powerful emotion I think at that time because he wanted to come under the guise of I'm coming to visit because I want us to have this relationship. I pretty much cut him off after therapy because I just, I couldn't deal. I needed to focus on my life. I couldn't allow it to continue to be an interference and me being able to move forward with, you know, my goals and just where I wanted to be in life. So I I pretty much, you know, cut off all communication and severed ties with him. But, you know, over the the years, he would reach out to me. We would, you know, have a conversation that was very, has anything changed? Nope. Well, I'm, you know, we don't have anything to talk about. But he wanted to come visit, wanted to really kind of open up the door to reconciliation and that's when I introduced it to Rishma. You know, am I ready to do this? Is this something I should do? And, um, you know, his thinking at the time was, you know, everybody deserves an opportunity to share their story and to be forgiven. And, you know, you know, we're no different from, you know, the next person and, and having to deal with this, with forgiveness and what it looks like, you know, give him a chance. And so he came to visit and um, it was probably the first opportunity where we really, sat down and I asked some drilling and some very, um, um, you know, questions that got down to, you know, where is this all coming from? Um, and why, why aren't you as a man able to move past this at this point? I'm grown. I'm married. I don't want nothing from you. You already got away without paying child support all these years. I don't need your money. You know, all I've ever wanted was relationship. And so, you know, why now? So I think, you know, I think it was one, mm-hmm. you know, we had some years under our belt and, you know, our own child did it. Did it really become a, a conversation where we had to have mm-hmm. some, some, you know, several nights of pillow talking and uh, conversations for me to really get through that period? I think I think that that opened up a womb at that time that I realized while I I dealt with it, I mostly tucked it away. Mm-hmm. Ash, so, I'm gonna go to you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. No, no, that was it. Okay, Ashley, I'm going to go to you. You met your father. I'm finding this out this morning um, after in freshman year in college, and you ended up saying no relationship now. So uh, for you, let me just hear that thought process, because if you met him, then obviously there was a point in which you wanted to maybe reconcile or figure it out or, you know, unfortunately, you know, due to his situation, he couldn't, couldn't be there. 
for a number of years, but the fact that you don't have one now, if you could just highlight some aspects of that, then I want to go back to um, Dr. Clark to talk about that specific period for him and his wife, if you will. But I just wanted to hear that real quick before I ask Dr. Clark that question. Yeah, so I, I feel like part of my reason for not having a relationship with my dad, and, and listening to this conversation, right, in real time, I'm like, part of it is that I was not allowed to be angry with my father and, like, have feelings towards that, right? So, like, everybody in my family was like, oh, you're going to get to meet your dad. You, you're finally going to have a dad. And my mom is a preacher. So she's like, you know, you you have to honor your father. You need to, you know, go ahead and have this relationship. And no one, not even myself, like, asked the question of, like, is this what I want? Am I okay with Mm -hmm. this? How do I feel about this, right? So I'm just now at a point in my life where I am beginning to check in with myself to see if this is something Mm -hmm. that I want. Um, But the biggest thing that drove a wedge in our relationship is when I started my old job, I traveled 95% of the time. I wound up in California where my my mother, unbeknownst to me, told my father where I was staying. And I got a phone call as I was, like, asleep that my dad was in the lobby and wanted me to come downstairs and have a conversation with him. And my mother could not understand how much of a violation of my trust that was. And I had already told everyone that I did not want a relationship with my father. I felt like he wanted a relationship with me to appease his guilt, and I was not interested. And Mm -hmm. instead of everyone respecting that, it was like my brother lied to me about being in contact with my dad about me. My mom, you know, afterwards was like, oh, well, I told him your address. I didn't think it would be a big deal. And so for me, like, mm. we tried to overcome that, and we we attempted to have a relationship, and then it became, well, you're not calling me. Why aren't you talking to me? We said we were going to talk at these times. And it was like, you don't know me to make these assumptions or accusations against me and say the things that you're saying. And so I decided, like, I'm not interested in doing this. The person that I am today, you did not contribute to that person actively in my life. And so I was like, I'm done. I'm not even going to go through this. Now, makes sense. Let me hit this um, break, and we're going to come back again for the callers out there. You do have to press 1. Um, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. We'll be right back with all I ask. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. What does your gut tell you? Not your head, which has the story and the upset where the 5-year-old and the 32-year-old are battling. What does your gut tell you about this broken-hearted man who, who, who 
participated in your existence in life? My gut tells me that I need to work with him, okay. that I need to figure out how to make it work. Period. You don't have to figure out. And this is what you need to know. If mm -hmm. your gut tells you, work with it. And you've got clear boundaries about what you will do, won't do, can do, can't do, what feels right. The minute that it begins not to feel right about, you know, you're not trusting, it, the, the biggest way to heal anything is to acknowledge it and announce it. Say, so you know what? I really want to work with you, but then there's a part of me that doesn't trust that you won't leave me. Yeah. Why not just tell the truth? Yeah. Okay. And, and I think what you're saying is so important for everybody who is looking to heal or to make a decision about how you will move forward with your own healing is to be able to set boundaries for yourself. The difference between, you know, what we're talking about when you, you were a child, you didn't know how to set the boundaries. The difference between being a child and an adult is now you get to decide the terms of the relationship. Right. You get, to, get decide. to decide. And the, and the relationship doesn't have to be what you had in your head, this idea about what a father should be, what a father and daughter should be. Because everybody gets so confused about what the idea in your head is, what the fantasy in your head is, versus what really is. And now you're the one who's in the driver's seat that gets to determine when you see him, how you see him, how that shows itself, how often you see him, you get to decide. And, get to decide and are you trying to build a relationship with your father or recapture a relationship with your daddy? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? As we hear a cut from Oprah and Yana Van Sant. Um, Dr. Clark, I wanted to jump back with you. Um, you encouraged um, you know, Tiffany to take that that call or, you know, take a, be willing to, in a sense, um, say, you know, she mentioned you were the one that kind of said, hey, everybody deserves some type of forgiveness possibly. And so you were mm -hmm. encouraging that. And so when that moment happened and, and it kind of made her relive some things, um, you could recall anything from the experience uh, or anything that played out even in your situation that you may you know, be willing to share again, just peeling this all the way back, if you will, your thoughts, King. Yeah, um, you know, I I think part of my or most of my rationale for for encouraging her to uh, really talk to her father and and to attempt to begin to reconcile is um, really it has to, a lot to do with my training and my my underpinnings as a psychologist and um, you know there are various camps that we can approach the problem from um, and I think at that time I was more uh, leaning towards like psychoanalysis and really like the Freudian approach to things where you go back and sort of look at the history of what happened and see how people felt and see how they thought and, you know, what all of those things, you know, what, what was sort of like the, the context of it all. So that's really why I wanted to encourage her to um, really get back in contact with her dad so that she could really start to gain some introspection and some and some deep internal insight as to you know how she wanted to move forward in the future with him really i mentioned psychoanalysis and it's, it's, it's for all of my uh, psychology buffs out there we're talking about sigmund freud really carl young's work um sigmund freud was a student of his uh mm -hmm. and then also erickson's work who was freud's student um and they had uh, various theories that they really sort of address the problem from. And one of those, uh, 
or two of those avenues. One was sexual, and the other one was social. And um, I just I know Tiffany wasn't at the time in tune with all of this, uh, all of these insights. I won't go into it, get into it too deep, but mm-hmm. um, these were certainly avenues that she needed to explore. Like, you know, according to these gentlemen, we go through stage development where you have to actually go through a particular stage in life. And then you have to actually graduate from that stage or you have to master some sort of conflict in order to move on to the next stage. Mm. Okay. Okay. And so if you, if you're not able to master those conflicts in the stage, in that stage of life that you're in, it does not preclude you from moving forward to the next stage. You just become fixated in that stage. So while you may be, while you may be a 20, 20 year old, you may still be fixated in the anal stage of life, which is the second period of life where you were supposed to master toileting conflicts and master your, your, your environment around you. And if you fail to do so, then you could become one of two things. You could become anal expulsive or anal retentive. I'm pretty sure you've heard the latter term. Mm-hmm. People, when, when you say that they're anal retentive, usually what people are trying to say is, oh, they're meat freaks, uh, oh, they keep their order, they keep everything in order, they, they have masterful control over everything. But really, that is a conflict that has not been mastered. And the opposite, on the opposite end of the spectrum, a person can become anal expulsive, meaning that they're very sloppy and messy, comes from that period of life between wow. two and three where they did not learn to master toileting. Um, and so it leads to personality defects. And so the one personality defect that I'm able to draw from Freud's work and from Erickson's work, because they, they were really one and the same, but they took two separate avenues. Freud was mm-hmm. sexual. His, his theory was right. called the psychosexual stages of right. development. Erickson was the psychosocial. The, mm-hmm. the one uh, stage that I'm really uh, fixated on when it, as it re- relates to this topic of men and women, and particularly Tiffany, was the phallic stage of life. And that is, the sta- that is the third stage of life from Freud's perspective where he talked about your genitals and your fixation on your genitals and your preoccupation with your genitalia. Uh, and he, he talked about, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Oedipal complex where um, little boys want to have sex with their mother yeah. oh, of life. Okay. And, and the opposite complex is the electro complex where little girls have a need or a desire to be with their fathers. Now, the question that I ask, which is obviously a rhetorical question, is if your father is not present, how do you master the conflict associated with that stage of life? How do you get past the fixation? Yeah, Yeah, that's a great rhetorical question. Yeah. Correct. And so these theories have not considered the black zeitgeist or the intercultural milieu where people are absent of one or the other parent. These theories are really sort of traditional and and, mm-hmm. and created from the dominant mainstream, but they don't consider us. Talk about psychosocial stages where he's talking about um, um, trust versus mistrust being the first stage, autonomy versus shame and doubt being the second stage, initiative versus guilt being the third stage, and then uh, inferior, inferior, uh, industry versus inferiority being the fourth stage. Mm. And then the fifth stage is, is intimacy versus isolation. And in each one of these stages, he says that we gain ego strength from what we learn. Ego strength is basically your ability to go through adversity and to withstand and to also exercise Mm. good character in the face of that adversity. 
So during that stage of life where we're supposed to be uh, learning our identity, I'm sorry, it was identity versus role confusion. Okay. During that stage, we are supposed to go around and explore the world and then find things that we can commit to. And then the ego strength that we gain is fidelity. Fidelity, most of the time when people hear the word fidelity, they think of like faithfulness. Right. Also, fidelity refers to how exact that you copy something from somewhere else. Mm. Part of that fidelity comes from the mother-son or the mother-father or the father-son or the father-mother relationship. So who are you going to emulate? And who are you wow, let me college? jump in here if you don't mind, um, Dr. Clark. Yes, sir. I, Please, because yeah, I, I love... could go on all day about No, 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 you can. I, I appreciate yeah. it. I mean, because at the end of the day, um, like you said, when it comes to our community, uh, we're not hearing, like you said, even even what you read wasn't a consideration for what we see too often in our community. So just hearing it from that in-depthness, and basically what you're pointing out is, even with everything you lay out, quite often our experience is sometimes, unfortunately, without one or the other. And right. these are things you would have to develop, typically with both being around. So without one, what does that even look like? And I can imagine there are so many people who, unlike Tiffany, unlike Ashley, who didn't get therapy, who've never been asked that question, and they're stuck in the stage. We actually got a caller. Let's get the caller in. Area code 618-3594. Give us your name where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Good morning. This is Tony. Hey, Smitty. <laughs> um, hey, how you doing, Queen? <laughs> I'm doing well. Hey, I'm just going to tell you, thank you so much for having this conversation. I changed. I was able to change my schedule this morning just so I could listen in, and I am very, very happy that I did because you guys are already – you're giving me an opportunity to reflect. I was raised in a – single-parent household. I raised two girls in a single-parent household. And I'm just going to say this is some really, really good conversation. So I have a question for you guys because it's making me think about what did I do? Um, When we're looking at trying to build those healthy relationships, and I wish I had my notepad out with, I'm going to say Dr. Brother, I'm sorry, Dr. King, (laughs) Um, with the psychological part of it, the idea of getting to a point where you're saying, you know what, I'm okay with being who I am, and I can accept the fact that I did not have, you know, my dad in my life, or, you know, I only had the one parent. Getting to that point to say I'm comfortable with um, where I am and resolving with, with, within myself that that relationship wasn't what I wanted it to be, but I can still move on and develop healthy relationships, what recommendations do you have psychologically? How do you even begin to approach that um, in a time where, you know, we still have so many single-parent households? Um, Dr. King, you take a shot at it. We got, we got a break coming up, so we'll keep Tony on. But, Dr. King, you take a shot at it. We got about a minute and a half before break, and then we'll get Dr. Clark's response as well. But go ahead, Dr. King. Absolutely. I think there was a, a, a seed planet um, around uh, boundaries and the fact that, uh, especially going through therapy, one of the things that I really took away from it was that it is okay to create boundaries for yourself because you know how you feel. You know what what triggers you. You know what feelings come behind the situation and and how it's impacting you socially, mentally, emotionally. And it is absolutely okay to set boundaries. And I struggled with the the fact that I had power to do that for a while before I realized that if I don't 
set some boundaries here, all I'm doing is just consistently allowing myself to go through that same heartache over and over again because at some point my dad wanted me to basically be his mistress. So we can have a relationship, but my wife can't know about it. So if I come in town, you can't tell any of the family here because they don't know I'm here. She thinks I'm deployed. And I, and I sat with that for so long because while I wanted that relationship, I didn't want it under those terms. And I had to decide for myself, okay, this is an opportunity for me to, to place a boundary in place. I needed that boundary around my heart because it was just basically saying that you can choose to be this mistress, and that sounds really sick, right, or you can choose to protect your heart and let him go work through what he needs to work through. I don't have to be your 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 crutch while you're figuring that out. But while you're while you're doing you, I'm gonna go heal myself and be happy and and, and you know be within my family and, and love my husband and my children. And if you figure it out, great. If you don't, the boundary remains in place. And so, um, I think that's that's what I would say is, is is being able to embrace the fact that it's okay to put boundaries around your heart where they need to be. No, I love it. Um, Tony, um, we're going to go to the top of the hour break. i got a quick segment I'm going to do uh, specifically with Dr. Clark. So I'm going to bring you back on. I hope you can process a little bit of what you just got told, but I'm going to bring you back on after I get through this um, commercial break and this segment with Dr. Clark specifically. But thank you so much, Queen. I haven't talked to you in so many years, so it's dope to have you call in. Uh, but I definitely will be bringing you back on live after this next segment. Okay, Queen? Sounds good. I'm All, right, here. Sounds good. All right, sounds good. All right, y'all. So we are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. For my brothers with daughters, I call it. For my brothers with daughters, I call it. Not saying that our sons are less important. For my brothers with daughters, I call it. For my brothers with daughters, I call it. Not saying that our sons are less important. I got a call, nearly split my wig The social network said, now nah, go and get your kid She's on Twitter, I know she ain't gonna post no pics Of herself under dress, no inappropriate Right, her mother cried when she asked Said she don't know what got inside this child's mind She planted a box of condoms on her dresser Then she Instagrammed it At this point I realized I ain't the strictest parent I'm too loose, I'm too cool with her Should've drove more time to school with her I thought I dropped So tell me leader or a follower? Hmm? I'm a leader. Okay then, what's the three rules? Break it down for me. And hey, think before you answer. I got it. Always look a person in the eye. You got to respect you better. Two words, never be afraid to ask you for anything. Still isn't necessary. And last one I think was, never respect anybody who doesn't respect you better. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Uh, We're starting a new segment on the show called Lessons from Furious Style and Furious Styles and Other Great Fathers. And so I have Dr. Clark. I always like to highlight uh, a, a great father, if you will. And if you've been listening the entire time, uh, you know, to, to their family and friends, they are the hustle, hustable. So we definitely want to get some um, 
uh, some Dr. Clark, Dr. Hustle's lesson for our families okay. out there uh, with our fathers. And so just one quick question. This is just a quick segment we do where we bring on and love to, again, highlight great fathers. And, and I've just heard so much, good, so many good things about you, uh, Dr. Clark, from, um, you know, Tiffany herself. And so I just wanted to ask you one quick, quick question, and you just give your, you know, response to this, and then we'll get back into this morning's discussion question. As a father, what is one of the unique lessons you wish all of your seeds would take from you? How to, I think it, it goes back to what I talked about, how to gain ego strength in the face of adversity. In other words, how to exercise good character, be a good person, not engage in maladaptive behavior, even though the world around you is falling apart. Um, and it, it seems like the sky is falling, but yet you you have to, Somehow reach down, grab yourself by the bootstraps, and keep continue to pull yourself up. And eventually what happens is you raise yourself above all of the muck and the moral, and um, you take yourself to a higher state of consciousness. And also physically, you, you rescue yourself from an environment that was not conducive to your, to your um, future. So I uh, think that's it, just be, being resilient in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. And, I, and what you're specifically talking about, obviously you can give it to us from the um, psychological standpoint, but at the end of the day, that that word resilient, uh, that is absolutely, if I could generalize, say that's the aspect that fathers give to their children, if nothing if nothing else, that's the thing. And so I definitely respect that you would like for, you know, your two, two sons to, in a sense, walk away with that. But, again, just a quick segment highlighting great fathers for anybody out there listening. If you want your father's lessons highlighted during our, again, Lessons from Furious Styles and other great fathers, if you'd like to have your father highlighted, make sure you contact me directly uh, via social media on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page or the IG page, Mental Underscore Dialogue, and say, hey, can you highlight my father? He has great lessons. And to a degree, just to get, just make sure people understand why we're even offering that. Again, as Dr. Clark mentioned earlier, the, the, even the stuff that he studies doesn't necessarily take our situation in, in at hand. And so for anybody out there that's trying to figure it out with children, you know, maybe some of those lessons can serve uh, serve you in your family. So that's the idea with highlighting fathers because there are plenty of brothers out there doing what they're supposed to do, actually more brothers who do what they're supposed to do than that then don't, despite what the narrative might be. So that's why we do that segment. But to get back into this morning's discussion question, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? I'm going to bring uh, my caller, Tony, um, out of Atlanta back on so we can continue answering her question. Dr. King, did you get to finish what you were saying before I turn it over to Dr. Clark? Um, and, she, and Tony, you may have to re-ask the question. I know it was a lot, kind of a long break to make sure Dr. Clark's answering what you need. But, Dr. King, were you able to finish before the break? Just wanted to make sure. I think so. I, I do want to just add one other thing um, based on what um, my brilliant husband just said. Um, I know he didn't share this, but this is a man who well, I think that we really connected on our, our childhood experiences because he came from the muck and the mire when he says that. And um, mm-hmm. he really leaned into um, what he said as far as, you know, the, the this notion of, despite the world, you know, the sky falling all around me, we can, you know, make choices to still be of good character and still make good decisions. Um, you know, he, he's a, a product of East St. Louis where 
father was, was, was killed when he was two, three years old. His mother was mm-hmm. um, away from him, his, his household for the greater part of his, his formative years. And so he had to grow up without both parent figures for many wow. years. Um, and that, that this notion of resilience is something that was fostered because he did have those critical figures that despite mom and dad not being there, they saw him and they saw his potential and said, young man, this is not it. You know, he he had he had a uh, his his uh, grandmother who we call T who planted some seeds that to this this day he still holds on to and that's that's where all of this I think was born out of and so um, I, I think that, that that's something that's critical to, to to bring up when we talk about resilience. It's not always mom and dad, right? That that mm-hmm. you know may or may not be there, but if you do have a critical figure in your life that's able to plant those seeds that we, we'd hope would come from mom and dad, you know, we still have a fighting chance. No, I love it. Thank you for highlighting that. Um, Tony, uh, Tony, oh, uh, well, sorry, go ahead. Uh, that, that you, Dr. Clark, speaking in? Go ahead, brother. Uh, no, I was just inspired when you said, well, what do you, what do you, what would you want to give to your kids? I was inspired by mothers to sons. And I know this is a segment on daughters, but I think it applies to any kid. Uh, it was a poem written by Langston Hughes. I'm pretty sure you all, you all have heard it, but it says, well, son, I'll tell you. Life mm-hmm. for me ain't been no crystal stair. Absolutely. It, it's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor. There. But all the time, I've been a climbing on and reaching landing and turning corners and sometimes going into the dark where there ain't been no light. So, boy, don't you turn back. Don't you sit down on the steps because you find it's kind of hard. Don't you fall now. Don't you fall now. For eyes are still going, honey. Eyes are still climbing. And life for me ain't been no crystal stair. Hey, there's so always that room. Embodies, mm-hmm. nah, there, there's always room for Langston Hughes on the Mr. Dialogue talk show. Kevin, so <laughs> I absolutely appreciate the hell out of that. Uh, but I want to turn back to the caller real quick, um, Tony, because um, – she gave you a little bit. Um, I want to make sure that we're fully understanding, and, and you can ask more than one question. We do got another caller, but this is a show we're going to work through this thing. So, um, and again, I hate that we had to take the break because I want to make make sure that what you're getting, you're not receiving it in a in a disjointed manner. So that's why I want to kind of have you speak up. Uh, did you take anything from what Dr. King said? Do you have another question, or maybe even re-ask the question before we have Dr. Clark um, kind of give his thoughts? as you said, from the psychology of it. Uh, and, and if you're just now tuning in, a caller, Tony, good friend of mine from years ago, just mentioned growing up in a single-parent home herself, self, raising two kids as a single parent, trying to figure this thing out. Um, this morning's discussion question, which is, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? Um, go ahead, Queen. Thanks for being calling in this morning. No problem. No, I, I got some really good stuff. And, and it, you know, it, it answered, you know, some of what I do and some of what I think I can encourage my girls to do better, and that is in that setting the boundaries and seeking that resilience. Because I know where I try to plant that into them, I've also um, created relationships where other people could speak into their lives and encourage that. The thing that I find odd is that, I, and I hate to see it, is that sometimes those those negative relationship dynamics they can somehow be generational, but I heard you. I'm going to continue to um, – I heard both of you guys that spoke, um, and I'm going to continue to encourage that and model that in all of the relationships that I have. 
So that was very helpful. Thank you. Well, absolutely. Um, Dr. Clark, I'm going to give you one quick thought because I want to get back into Ashley and get to another caller. Um, anything in addition to what um, your wife said to Tony, who said she's gotten what she needed, was there any, did we miss anything or just wanted to make sure? I told you I'll let you take a stab at it as well. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, Tony, thank you so much for the call in. Just so you know, um, we got another 50 minutes here. So in the event that you want to call back in, we do allow it. Um, you know, highlighting Tony, first-time caller to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. So thank you so much, Queen, for tuning in this morning. Uh, hopefully you'll make it a, a, a regular part of your Saturday morning breakfast, if you will. But thank you, Queen, for getting in. And if you want to get back in, just come off the one and back on the one because you feel free to ask a question later as well. But thank you so much for um, giving us your three cents this morning. Thank you. Well, absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and go on to another caller as well. Um, area code four one six last three five eight six. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Hey Montoya, this is Leslie. I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. I'm really loving this show. This is a great topic, and um, I also grew up with a father that was absent from my life, absent from the home. And uh, I know that I resonate with what your female guests are saying, that even when you do get into a relationship, you know, a solid relationship like marriage or a common law uh, situation, there's still this, like, control and, and, and wanting to take the, the leadership role as the woman instead of allowing the man to lead or to provide because we don't know any better. We, we, we learn to be hyper-independent, and that's been my experience. But I wanted to touch on the, the sexual aspect that um, your male guest had brought up. Uh, I didn't meet my dad until I was 16 years old. My mom took me to the Caribbean to meet him for the first time. And initially I felt a lot of rage towards him for not being there for my mom uh, as well as for me. Uh, but then once that passed, what I noticed is that I had an extremely intense sexual attraction to my father. And to this day, I would say that um, my strongest sexual attraction that I've ever had to a man was my father. And wow. also the, me- the men that I tend to have like really strong sexual attraction to are men who remind me of my father. So men who are not physically present. Uh, you know, either they're long distance or the, for whatever reason, I'm not able to see them often. Um, you know, they have lots of women, just like my dad. And so, um, you know, I see this in myself and also with a lot of yeah. the, the women that I've worked with as a coach that, you know, um, if your dad was absent or sporadic, chances are really high that you're going to be highly sexually attracted to men who are just like your dad. So I just wanted to add that to the discussion and, and hear what your guests have to say about that. No, perfect. We actually are unfortunately up against the break. So what I'm going to do is um, go ahead and go to break so that we can, Dr. Clark, I hear you wanting to pipe in. So I'll let you respond to Leslie's um, question right after this break. But um, thank you so much, Leslie, for um, being a loyal co- follower and a member of the Mr. Bylaw Community Club, which I'll be highlighting how other others out there can support what we're doing every Saturday as well. But thank you, Leslie, for that question. We are going to go to break, and Dr. Clark will have you answer it coming out of break. You're listening to the Miss Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. 
If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hire Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hire Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency. Serving Atlanta since 2016, the KG Hire Company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth. Contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288. Again, that's 833-544-9288. Because me and my father, our relationship at this point is non-existent, it is having an impact on my dating life. And I, the, the guys that, are, that I'm attracting are just, it's all ending in the same thing. They're liars, they're cheaters, they are disrespectful. I don't know what to do moving forward as to getting back out there and, you know. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to simplify anything that anybody is saying. But you have to understand how the mind works. You, you can't stop stuff from happening to you. Absolutely. But you have, life is 10%, what happens to you is 90% what you do about it. You can't prevent things from happening to you. But you can show, determine what you do about each and every one of those things. You cannot put the energy out there of everything your father did to you. Do you understand that when you emit that signal, do you know that that's what bounces back to the tower? Yeah. It's how a cell phone works. It's how a remote control works. It's how your mind works. God said a man is as he thinketh. Nothing more, nothing less. So now guess what? If you live your life with the expectations that your father did this to you, your father did that to you, your father never offered you this view. Your father was not there for you. Guess what you're doing? You're emitting that signal. The only thing can come back is the same thing you put out. I have, cannot stress enough the importance of your mind. But listen to me. That energy, that energy is the attracted. If a woman says all men are dogs, doggone it, here they come. Here they come. You finna meet all of them. <laughs> I keep meeting cheaters, liars, non-committers. You trying to have a relationship with your father that he couldn't have with your mother, and now you end up emitting that signal, and that's what comes back. That's the first thing I want to get across to you. You are looking for something. Can I teach you this right here? Stop looking for a man for what he'll give to you. And look for a man for what he will sacrifice for you. Right. That's a huge difference. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? Our special guest, Dr. Tiffany King, as well as uh, Dr. Hiroshima Clark. Uh, Dr. Clark, I'm going to definitely let you tackle that discussion uh, from um, Leslie. I'm going to bring her back on so she can respond as well. 
Um, but yes, if you will, King, um, you know, yeah, speak yeah. to that. Cause we get, again, I tell people we're the, we're the best in the world at hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And, um, you brought stuff to light today that we, we finna tackle this thing, but again, we quite capable of it. Yeah. Um, but, but your, but your response to, um, Leslie giving her own experience of being attracted to men who are just like her father, who have a lot of women. And that is still, from what I understand, her current, um, um, viewpoint, if you will, but go ahead, King. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, when you're talking about Sigmund Freud's work and his psychosexual stages of development, the third stage of life is from from age three to six. Stage of life is called the phallic stage. The first two stages are the oral and the anal stages of life, where you have to, I mentioned, master, master some conflict associated with that stage. And in the oral stage of life, we have to master uh, the the oral stimulation, the tasting, the sucking, uh, all of those sorts of things. Once we get that mastered, we move on to the anal stage of life, where the primary focus is really just controlling your bladder and your bowel movement and eliminating feces. And then the third stage of life, as I mentioned, is the phallic stage. And that stage, the primary focus is the genitals. And here, the difference, there are differences between males and females. The child really becomes the same-sex partner's rival. Uh, so if it's a little girl, her mother becomes her rival for her father's attention. And Freud called that the electro complex. And for little boys, he, he, he named it the Oedipal complex from the Greek, uh, Greek mythology mm-hmm. where Oedipus has sex, uh, sex with his mother. And basically what he says, the problems that occur at this stage of life, if you don't master these conflicts, in other words, you don't find some way to, uh, to create a happy medium between your mother and your father because your mother is your competition, but your father is the object of your affection if you're a little girl. So what you do is you learn to identify with your mom because you feel like, okay, my, my daddy likes my mom so much, maybe if I'm just like her, then I will gain his attention. And so but the problem is um, that if you don't have the father figure there or you can't master that conflict somehow, then you become fixated. And it can lead to sexual deviance. It can lead mm-hmm. to a confused sexual identity because now you don't know which parent, parental role mm-hmm. you identify with. Maybe you identify with the male as opposed to the female. If you're a female, mm-hmm. we all know what sorts of mm-hmm. later issues that could lead to. So right. uh, re- really the importance of it all is that, um, you know, if you don't master these things, you will continue to possess what Freud called penis envy, and you will also possess feelings of inferiority. And you may be 50 years old and you stage of life, which, which occurred when you were age three to six years old. So now what wow. you see is that your new relationships will always um, sort of draw ego strength, the ego strength that you didn't gain when you were three years old. Your, your, your personality will draw from that ego strength. And if it's weak ego strength because you didn't master the conflict, right. then now what happens is, is, it, the same way it manifested itself back then as weakness, it may come out again later on as those same weaknesses, and it may continue to plague you throughout life until you figure out how to do finally do away with that conflict or that fixation. Hopefully, that Leslie, answers the question. Yeah, we're going to ask Leslie. She asked the question. Um, your thoughts, Queen? Queen. On me. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, yeah, he, oh. was, I think it was a great response, but I was just letting you give a, a quick response before we let you go. Oh, okay. And yeah, make I mean, sure we your question, too. We're trying to make sure we answered your question. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I get what he's saying. Like, you know, this, this, if, if you didn't pass these developmental stages, then you kind of stay stuck. And, um, for me, like, I just, I just have an awareness of it that, okay, yes, I, I'm very sexually attracted to men like my dad. So the way that I approach it, I, I go into it. I have sex with men that are like my dad and I, I use that to, uh, alchemize or, or transmute um the 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 original trauma you know so instead of feeling bad about the fact that I'm sexually attracted to the men that are like my dad I, I utilize that to actually heal the original trauma so I don't know if that makes sense to you but I I, I believe it it's possible to utilize sex to heal trauma okay well thank you for the thoughts and definitely uh, appreciate the question I just, again, wanted to make sure that we had answered your question. So, as always, keep listening, and thank you for the call-in. Anybody out there that wants to be like um, Leslie, make sure you give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Dr. King, I wanted to revisit, and I'm pretty sure you can recall this moment, and it was when Ashley kind of spoke to her decision, and, and I'm still moved by it, of how she was violated in that they, in a sense, gave out her information for her father, in a sense, just to roll up on her. And so uh, that, 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 that struck me, and I, and I know you, and I'm pretty sure that moment struck you. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts about that moment, again, with you having a psychology, you know, psychology uh, doctorate, you know, that background, but just as a woman as well. Uh, uh, can you speak to that? And then we want to definitely hear some, some of Ashley's thoughts because she's, um, you know, kind of sitting back and listening to everything. But your thoughts, Queen? Absolutely. I think in that moment, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, I know Mama probably had good intentions, right? She she wants to see her baby healed. She wants to see reconciliation between Mama and, you know, between daughter and dad. Um, I think in that moment, I, the first thing that came to my mind was, wow, she could she that could have been a pivotal moment where um Ashley realized that I am empowered and I, I get to make this decision or a moment where her power was completely stripped away from her and she allowed herself to um be forced into a situation or into into a circumstance that she wasn't ready for or didn't even want. And so I think that I I was um happy to hear though Ashley and this is what this is what I thought I was hearing that you want you were empowered to make the decision for yourself that that's not what you wanted I wasn't ready for it and I'm going to live live in that in that truth for myself whether anybody around me family or not accepts it um right. that boundary is for me to put in place and nobody else um and that's important for us to not even just as adults but as, as, as we're growing up we have to allow our children to be empowered to make those types of decisions for themselves because they're the ones dealing with the emotions of the absent parent, whoever it is. And oftentimes we will force children into these dynamics where, oh, go give your uncle a hug. Go give daddy a hug. You ain't seen your daddy in 10 years. Well, you've just, you've just taken that, that kid's power away from them in, that, in those moments. They should never be forced to go hug, mm-hmm. engage with anyone that they don't want to in that moment, no matter how they're feeling. You know, maybe they're yearning for that relationship, but they're dealing with the conflicting emotions inside them because they're angry at the same time as being desirous of that relationship. And they've got to deal with those emotions themselves. So I think that we have to be careful not to strip away the power of 
children to decide what they want with their parents and, 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 and the pace at which those relationships move or don't move. Um, I had to reconcile that within myself, and unfortunately, I didn't get to that that space until I was an adult. But once I did, I, I realized, you know what? I don't have to accept what you're giving, what you feel like this is, what you feel like uh, is all you can give. What I need as a daughter is this, and if you can't give that, then I'm okay with it. But that also doesn't mean that I have to settle for the crumbs that you want to land, you want to throw on the floor to me. Um, and I think that that was empowering, and that's what ultimately allowed me to really get to a place of forgiveness. Because if I didn't, if I didn't make the terms and heal on my own terms and and time, then I would, would would just continue to have this anger that was behind every interaction, and continue to be triggered by every interaction. There there used to be a time where I couldn't have a conversation with my dad without being triggered and angry and wanting to really mm-hmm. just be combative with him about. Why, why aren't you a man? Why aren't you? Why, why are you a coward? Why aren't you able to move your wife to this position? My husband would never allow me to dictate a relationship between his children, but I had to realize that my husband isn't isn't my father, and mm-hmm. you know he's not where I want him to be, but that's where he is. And so, I, who am I to, you know, force him or dictate to you know where he should be as a father? You know, I have to give him that same respect and space and understand. Um, why he is who he is. It, it took me literally until probably five years ago to realize that one of his struggles was he realized he screwed up so bad with his oldest, he didn't want to repeat the same mistake with his youngest. And he just did not know how to deal with it. He could not come to, you know, a place where he could mm-hmm. get his wife to see that we can do both of these things. I, I don't have to fail our daughters now. We can still have this beautiful family unit that we have with the four of us and still love the the child that I um, conceived before I ever even met you. But for whatever reason, he couldn't reconcile that for himself. And, and hey, that's his loss. No longer am I angry about it. You know, he doesn't have the mental space or the capacity to see that. And so maybe he will get it in the future. Maybe he won't. But right now I'm, 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 I'm okay. But a beautiful thing is your friend is to hear you say you're okay, and we've already had that dialogue. Um, yeah. You know, this show, um, because mm-hmm. um, as amazing as I saw you, as you know, and I always big up. Just you know, I just thought so highly of you. You know, I sincerely knew this was a real issue, and so we've had you know plenty of deep dialogues over the years about how it still affected you, and and I always respected mm-hmm. how much it affected you uh, because I can already you know I can only imagine, and I love how you talk about you know whether this is you know like you said it happened to you in adult years. But the biggest thing that I love that you highlighted for anybody out there listening is that we do lose concept of how to be respectful of the individual, and especially if that individual is a child, uh, because mm-hmm. we do have our own thoughts about what we think a, a, a family relationship should be, and we want to apply those thoughts to someone who's dealing with a, a, a several a, a relationship that's not there. And we do try to put that on children, say, oh, they can handle it, and it can be extremely dangerous, and they can spend a lot of years dealing with daddy issues, whether it's a daughter or son, to the point where they can't have their own relationships later, and sometimes it's because we didn't respect their boundaries. We are up against another break. Uh, This conversation is so great, I don't even want to do the breaks, y'all. I I love what we're talking about, um, but I got to take care of my sponsors because that's why we are here. So with that said, we'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. 
If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Chelsea, I, go ahead. How you feel? Go ahead. I do still have, um, I just, I guess I, in order for me to start somewhere, I have to start repairing the relationship with my father. But let me ask you something. Let me, let, let, let me ask you a question. When God put your mother and father together, he put them two people together to produce you. You may have been a mistake to your mother and father. They may not have even attended for you to be here, but God did. See, God don't make mistakes. The whole purpose for your mother and father was to produce you. God wanted you. Let me give you the best example I like to use. When Barack Obama's mother met his father, this man of African descent and this white woman, and they met together, and they joined together, and they had this baby named Barack Hussein Obama. I bet you didn't have one of them know what God had in store because God needed him. He wanted him in this world because he was going to turn him into the first black man to ever be in charge of this country right here. That was his purpose. Now, look, the fact that Barack ain't got no relationship with his daddy, that didn't stop the show. Do not let your father stop your show. He, your father is not the architect of your story. Your father is not the author of your, none of your chapters. So suppose your father never come around. Your heavenly father is always there. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host. Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? A special guest, Dr. Tiffany King, as well as Dr. Harishimo Clark. If you want to get in or have a question for either of our uh, guests this morning, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Ashley wanted to get back with you as we have Tiffany, give her thoughts, um, um, you know, particularly to your situation. And, um, again, she respected that you did, in a sense, uh, create that boundary, if you will, for, for yourself. Uh, but if we would, I think we definitely got to still highlight therapy even more because uh, my opinion is too many of us are trying to navigate these waters without, you know, in a sense, getting some therapy. And I'm a, I, I, I don't know when your therapy necessarily started. I don't know if you were having dialogues about the relationship, about your father or whatever. But either way, I uh, just wanted to hear your thoughts in how therapy has assisted you to even get to this place where, um, just like we just heard with Steve Harvey, you know, you're not allowing that relationship 
to to write any any of your, the chapters in your life because it can't be done anyway. No matter if you even have a relationship with your father, our, our lives are our own to a degree. And while there are great benefits in having that relationship, your unfortunate reality is you are having to navigate it without that. So if you will, Queen, just speak to uh, maybe how therapy may you know helped you understand how to in a sense create boundaries because my assumption is that's what's lacking for most people who still struggle with these issues. Um, so I. I feel like therapy for me has kind of given me a space to unpack some of this stuff and and present it to someone in an unbiased fashion, right? Because I, I find what often happens is that people will sympathize with where you have been or the things that you have experienced, mm-hmm. um, and they don't have the ability to call out what you're actually going through or to to let you kind of see the peek behind the light of like what's actually going on and give you the tools or the ways to process what's happening. So I, I think for me, therapy has created this safe space where I can kind of um, peel back these layers and, and talk about it with someone who's not going to automatically side with me because they feel sympathetic for what I've gone through. They're going to, um, again, like help me identify what I'm feeling and, and really give it terms and, and things that make it tangible in ways that I can process what I'm going through. And I would say another important aspect of that has also been um, developing relationships with people that can have those conversations with me as well and create create awareness, right? Because I, I think the biggest thing is that we don't know what we don't know, right? So when you're when you're going through these things, when you have these daddy issues, when you have control issues and all of these things going on, it really takes you having a tribe or a village in your life that can hold the mirror up to you gently so that you can um discover this other part of you that's just been hidden. And and I feel like therapy has allowed me to create relationships that create safe spaces for me, and that's so important because the things that I'm learning about myself and unearthing about myself, I would not know if somebody had not brought it to my attention because I just was not aware, right? And, mm-hmm. and awareness creates options for you. Awareness creates different ways that you can handle things and awareness is what will put you into action if the desire is strong enough in your heart for you to change it. Because now that you know this thing is there, the onus is on you to go ahead and either pick up the ball and take action, or you're going to keep repeating the cycle. And so being able to have those and dive deep, dive deep with friends and with my therapist has been, um, you know, some of the greatest things, knowing that safe spaces do exist for me. I might not be able to initially find them in men, but I can find them in women and put my guard down and have conversations that I should have had about relationships or how black men can show up for me or the ways that they can exist that are contrary to the experience that I've had. No, that's major queen. I just realized I accidentally, the conversation has been so well, I, I've stole 40 minutes of your time queen. And so um, I know I need to let you go. I do apologize uh, oh, for that. Okay. So, okay. You good for the last 20? Just checking. Yep. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Good. I, I, yeah, I forgot about I, I just realized in the middle of you talking, I was like, oh, she was supposed to let her go. <laughs> uh, but again, it was, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say everything you said. And here's what I want to highlight out of um, your thoughts, Ashley, is you don't know what you don't know. And so some things we just accept. This is just how I am, and we want someone that we're dealing with to accept it not realizing it's something that we need to unpack. That's how therapy becomes so important. And so mm-hmm. here's a quick thought, because, again, part of this discussion question is, and marry well. And so, um, again, that's the, the situation that is, you know, that y'all have been able to accomplish. Like he, Dr. Hughes came on at the very beginning and said he's happily married. I don't know if he was, you know, just know he's supposed to say that. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with him. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I can tell he's very sincere. And, again, people do I love the fact that, again, your friends and your relationships with, around y'all look at y'all, look to y'all as, in a sense, a, a goddess. Um, but let me ask you this, in a sense of it was his idea to say, hey, open up the phone line to your father who's saying, hey, I want to come out here and see you after, you know, getting long periods of not being able to speak with him. So it was him that opened you up. And then when you have the experience, you have these emotions. And then you have a, a husband who's able to, quote, unquote, psychoanalyze you. Men, by nature, we like to try to fix situations. And so I want to even just delve into what does that even look like? Because once you experience those bad emotions that you thought or you had dealt with, like you said earlier, but they end up resurfacing, uh, was there any resentment? How did that play out between you and him? Because again, as men, we like to fix situations where sometimes we're just kind of supposed to listen. And I can imagine for Dr. Clark, who does this for a living, it was probably hard for him to possibly turn that off. Did that play out in any way in y'all's situation during that rekindling of, again, some of those bad feelings? For sure. Um, I I think one of the things that was was critical during that time was, um, you know, obviously at at that point I wasn't in therapy, but I considered um, my marriage a safe place where I could, you know, um, really just share openly. And so I, I, I think I, I consider our relationship a therapeutic one, especially when it came to those discussions. But I think that there wasn't any resentment. I think that once that trip was over, um, I cried. I, I think that was one of the first times where I allowed myself to genuinely just cry mm-hmm. and purge. And I think he saw in that he saw in that moment where because I, I, I you know, the floodgates opened and he was just like, I didn't realize how much this, hurt you. Um, And if I had, I probably wouldn't have suggested it. But what I told him in that moment was I needed to do it. I would have never been able to get Mm -hmm. to where I am now if if I hadn't, you know, Mm -hmm. taken that risk. Um, Because, you know, truthfully, I thought, like I said, I thought that I was over it. I thought that I was healed. I went through therapy already and I'm good. But, you know, the truth of the matter was I wasn't. And so um, there's no regret. Um, but again, I think what was what was probably most powerful in that moment was I allowed myself to finally just cry and and own the own the, the pain that you know that relationship had caused me for over so many years. And so um, I think in therapy I was angry and I, I I was I felt like I needed to be stoic. I had to be strong. I had all these goals that I wanted to accomplish, and so I didn't want to allow the emotions to be a part of it. And so I, I think I hung on anger for a long time. And I think after that first trip, that was the first time where, where I allowed it to be um, expressed as genuine pain. It's not just anger. It's hurt. It's pain. So, no, absolutely. Um, Dr. No, absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Clark, now, if you will, can, um, again, you suggested it. 
and you know, and, and then when you see a, you know, in a sense, in a sense, finally break down because I, I know Tiffany to to carry it like that. She's that type of queen. She just carries it like that, and she gonna get it done no matter what's going on. And so obviously you know her even better than I do to be that way. And so to see her break down, like you said, you had a moment of saying, oh wow. It was like, did I suggest the wrong thing? Again, for all of your knowledge base and background, even you thought for a second, well, maybe I, you know, handled this wrong or whatever. But I remember having a show um, where we were talking about sexual trauma, if you will, and how within relationships, how sometimes people haven't dealt with, or as Ashley said, they don't know what they don't know. And they have, they're having these deep seated issues that they're unaware of. And when they rise up in a marriage, sometimes they can tear marriages apart because there's not a complete understanding for what's happening thereafter. So glad to hear it didn't blow up in your face in that way. Um, But again, just in retrospect, hearing Tiffany talk about it, um, give me some thoughts uh, again about that moment and, and, and in a sense, continuing to, you know, thrive in this relationship, even with her finally dealing with those issues. Yeah. Um, well, Tiffany, Tiffany typically has a very stoic personality. She, she, has, she portrays herself as, as, you know, somebody who doesn't experience uh, right. the, the quote, quote, pain of life that other people experience. I, I can just think of countless moments where I, I marveled at her because I'm like, this is obviously a moment where you should be crying, not smiling. And, and but she, 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 she certainly has a tough outer skin as it relates to life and you know the things that she's dealt with. So I, I actually, you know, learn from her all the time of how not to fall apart when things happen. Uh, you know, to just to take on that attitude of you know God has us; He didn't bring us this far uh, to leave us here. So you just have to be faithful and wait wait for him to respond to whatever travesty or whatever thing is happening. So um, I don't regret. I certainly try not to bring too much of my clinical personality or my, you know, my clinician ways home. Uh, I try to leave that stuff at the door in the office, really, because, yeah, a whole lot of it, I I can, I've learned it. I've studied it. Uh, I'm not as radical as, like, Omar Johnson or anything. He's a school psychologist, (laughs) Um, I I, uh, I just don't believe wholeheartedly in a lot of those traditional theories as it relates to us because it hasn't been, as you mentioned, the psychoanalysis hasn't been applied in a lot of situations to the inner city milieu right. to us. And no, to absolutely. Our people. No, I absolutely. Lot, but no, I love her. Part, it makes sense. It makes sense. Well, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Why you know this? It's good to hear that. It you know obviously y'all are both in a sense in the psycho in in the psychology field, uh, but you know we hear that all the time in just regular relationships. People bringing work home regardless of what that work is, and it being an issue in the relationship. So makes a lot of sense. We're up against our last break. Uh, when we come back, I want to hear both of your thoughts in a sense as professionals for anyone that's in a sense dealt with what Tiffany and Ashley has dealt with. Uh, and maybe others emulating, being able to emulate what y'all have pulled off because, uh, you know, marriage in itself is is tough enough in itself, uh, but even more so when you're contending with, you know, if you will, daddy issues that a lot of cases have not been dealt with and, and things of that nature. So definitely want to hear y'all thoughts on that when we come out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. 
But if you missed the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. If you are a teenager or have a teenager who wants to be an entrepreneur, this commercial is for you. 20-year-old J.L. Priester brings you the Passion to Profits virtual webinar for youth 20 and under looking to get a jump start on entrepreneurship. J.L. started her first business at 14 years old and now teaches young entrepreneurs how by the age of 16, she was earning up to $75 an hour vending at events, sometimes bringing in over $1,800 in one weekend as an entrepreneur. JL's hands-on, step-by-step teaching style makes the Passion to Profits webinar an easy-to-understand guide into first-time entrepreneurship. JL also loves to share her marketing secrets for how she grew an online community to generate repeat customers. If you have an idea you are passionate about and want to turn that into a profitable, well-run business, then look no further than the Passion to Profit online webinar, Saturday, November the 20th, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For ticket info, please visit mycaponya.com. That's M-Y-K-U-P-O-N-Y-A.com. M-Y-K-U-P-O-N-Y-A.com. The Passion the Profits webinar, two weeks away. When you go on the page, mention Mental Dialogue, and you will receive a discount. Because one thing about this new generation, they're definitely not growing up with that. Get a good education. Get a job. And that's how you make it. Because we know how that's playing out right now, uh, unfortunately, uh, in today's economy. So if you have a kid who wants to get a jump start, highly recommend J.L. Priester's Passion to Profit webinar young lady's 20 years old and gets to it but she loves teaching it i respect that we vet who we allow to sponsor the mental dialogue talk talk show if you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio please contact me directly uh, via social media or at 404-604-9477 and real quick want to highlight uh, one of our members, real quick. Sabrina, is that you live, Queen? Just want to make sure I got you right here. Somebody else got on. I saw a text from her. I thought she had got on live with us. Wanted to highlight one of my members that has an event today. All right, with that said, uh, we're going to get back to this morning's discussion. Can women overcome daddy issues and marry well? Special guest co-host Ashley Thomas, as well as our special guest, Dr. Tiffany King and Dr. Harisha Mo Clark. Um, if you will, I ask you all before the break just to give your thoughts for um, anyone looking to emulate. Again, um, I definitely admire your situation. is the one that I would love to emulate. Uh, whatever, my, you know, my daddy issues or mommy issues might be myself. And so, you know, we definitely need to discuss discussion of mommy issues for a lot of us men as well. But today's discussion is about daddy issues. And so for anybody out there trying to figure it out, 
Um, I, I personally say it's hard to figure it out without therapy because it's actually highlighted. You don't know what you don't know, and a lot of times your recurring issues are happening because you're unaware of that this is a deep-seated uh, um, daddy issue that you might not know about. For anybody that is looking to, to marry well, uh, what, what are y'all thoughts? And I'm going to start with you, Dr. Clark, because at the end of the day, men typically are told to avoid women with daddy issues. So, so what do you say uh, for a man who may be having to deal with a sister who, who, who has daddy issues, but he sees, you know, way more um, um, opportunity there with that woman, even though maybe they haven't content, contended with it as they need to? Your thoughts, King? I would just say, man, we don't have heaven or hell to put anybody in. You know, that's why I'm more of a, of a, I have the more forgiving undertone, you know, because I just feel like you are not alive in the 60s or the 70s when your parents conceived you, and you don't know every particular circumstance that took place. So it's very hard to judge when you're on the outside looking in. Maybe if you've seen every day-to-day moment that your father went through, um, at that time that he was going through it, when you were conceived, maybe your heart would be a lot less uh, or your heart may be softened more towards him because you may see, gosh, this was just a circumstance that I don't see how he could have wiggled around it. But um, for your own personal benefit and for your own just your own heart's ease and understanding of the situation, just know that um, just like I mentioned those other stages of life, it's also a final stage of life. And that, is, that stage of life is called integrity versus despair. And if you just think of that last word, despair, if your father has lived a life that it was not worth living or that was less than um, appropriate, uh, given the fact that he, he, he conceived you but he failed to rear you, then he will have his own personal hell to deal with prior to leaving this earth. You, you don't have to put him in hell. Because if that last stage says that you either have two choices to have integrity, which means to look back over your life and to feel like everything was very well accomplished, like you've taken care of your business, things are in order, and so you can leave this earth um, upon reflecting upon that life uh, and feel a a sense of satisfaction and not a sense of failure, then you have integrity. But the, uh, the other alternative is despair. And anybody who has been in despair is like a very, very deep depression that cannot be, um, that you cannot uh, regain yourself from because you realize at this point you're out of time. So that would just be my final thought, uh, Mr. Smith. And uh, I appreciate you for having me on the show here, getting my own catharsis here, my own uh, deep insight. So appreciate that. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Dr. King, uh, anything you want to add to that for someone who's, in a sense, looking to marry well, um, you know, just using your own um, life situation to, you know, maybe mm-hmm. throw some advice out there. You know, you know, it's not, I know it's not always as simple as receiving advice, but just sometimes a seed can be the difference in somebody figuring out what they need to, in a sense, who, 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 who would like to, in a sense, marry well, if you will. Right, absolutely. I think one thing that I, I don't know if we've, we've uh, shared it in such a way that it's come across clear is that we put in work, uh, both as individuals and, and as a couple. Um, it definitely has not been easy. Um, you know, we, we both, you know, as I said, we've shared our backgrounds and, you know, our childhoods. And so you come to a marriage or a relationship um, or a partnership with what we call our priors, right? We all have these different experiences that make us who we are as individuals. And, 
you bring that person with you into your, your relationship. And so we've had to navigate that, like I said, you know, in our own different ways as individuals, but then we've also had to navigate it within our our um, marriage. And so what what a lot of people don't know is um, when Harishma and I met in grad school, we got married six months later. Um, and most people mull over, you know, five years of a relationship, you know, um, being engaged for a year, but when we when we met each other, you know, as Teresa alluded to earlier, you know, we, we we clicked and we just knew, and so that meant that we went into a marriage um, that was a young relationship. So we got to know each other and we got to work mm-hmm. through these issues as a part of our marriage, not as not as a relationship. Meaning, you know, mm-hmm. we'd already committed and, and we weren't going backwards, and so we both had had it in our mindset that where we've come from. I don't want to go back to, and I don't want to raise children that have to endure that. So we made a commitment. You know, we had hours and hours of conversations during those six months where we were just like, I don't want to repeat the cycle, and I don't want to bring children into the world to repeat the cycle. And so if we're doing this, we're in this for the long haul, and we're going to work and do the work that it takes. And that's what we've done. We've had some periods where it has not been easy, and we both have looked at each other like, did we do the right thing? But ultimately, I think we've trusted in God, and we've trusted in the covenant of marriage, and have really believed strongly that if we can do the work and continue to commit to the work and recommit, you know, over and over again, that our children can see the ups and downs of it and recognize that relationships aren't always going to be lemonade and, you know, crackers or lemonade and cookies. Sometimes it is going to be crackers and cheese. And so you've got to be willing to endure the downtime just as much as you're willing to endure the, you know, the, the, the times where things, you know, seem like they're, they're, they're going well and smooth. And so, um, I have no regrets about the way I processed the, my relationship with my father and the way I moved around um, in life despite it. And so um, it's still a work in progress. I, you know, I have to admit that while I've forgiven him, and I, as I said before, I, while I feel like I've worked a great deal to kind of overcome the pain and the, the anger that, you know, were attached to our relationship for so long, we still haven't fully reconciled because I still haven't met those sisters. I still haven't met his wife, and, you know, we still don't, aren't able to have a – a, a truly open relationship, but I thank God that despite of it, I'm able to feel whole as a woman and feel whole in my marriage, despite you know you know those daddy issues still being a part of my life. It doesn't have to be a crutch. It doesn't have to be the the finisher or the the, the deciding factor for your relationship that you have. Um, I don't think that that I, I that I, that we have to continue to give it that much power. I love it. Ashley, I'm going to give you the last few minutes here. Thank you for extending your time. Got a couple, two and a half minutes before we end this thing. I'm just definitely going to leave a quick little room for um, Dr. King and Dr. Clark to share any of their public information that they may want to give. But um, you get the last thoughts here, Queen. I don't know if we did, gave you enough time to do, give you justice for something, a conversation you wanted to have. But if there's anything you want to ask or say at this moment, please do. Um. I think the the one thing that is very clear to me across this conversation is just like it takes work, right? And and regardless of if you are doing this on your own or you're doing this with a partner, um, it takes work, it takes honesty, it takes vulnerability, it takes transparency that we're not used to. And, and I hope that if anyone else is going through this situation that they are gentle with themselves, right? Like we don't have the answers and 
again, we don't know what we don't know, and you might be meeting parts of yourself, emotions that you've never felt before, and I hope that you are able to find a therapist or find a community or find a tribe that is able to walk you through these emotions. Um, One quick thing, um, there was an episode on the Therapy for Black Girls podcast about this specific topic, and they recommended a book. It's called The Dance of Anger, which I wound up ordering off of Amazon. And it's A Woman's Guide to Changing the Patterns of Intimate Relationships by Harriet Lerner. Um, and it was just a really good episode because it impacts our women, and it, it, it makes me just feel like protect black women. And when you vow to create a safe space for black women, like hold that space, hold that line, hold that boundary, because this is a lot to process, and it's something that a lot of our women go through when you talk about the independence, the control, and, like, the fear and, and just not being certain if you can trust black men. And, like, all of that is compounded with everything that we go through in this country. So if you are going to create a safe space for black women, like, hold that line for us. Oh, I love it. Uh, Dr. King, Dr. Clark, thank you. Y'all were wonderful. Any public handles that you want to give out, give them out now. We are at the end of the show. But thank you all both for such a great episode. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm, I'm reachable on Instagram at DocTRKing08. And I think Dr. Clark is on there. Oh, I don't use Instagram. Uh, I can be emailed. <laughs> I don't care. That's only if you want to, brother. You don't have to. It was just I just want to make sure uh, yeah. I'm mean, out if you want okay. to. Email me certainly. Uh, I'm at Doctor uh, HB Clark at Gmail dot com. No, I love it. Thank y'all. I'm gonna close with a cut from Yelena Benzant on Daddy Issues to close out this morning's show. Thank you, Ashley, for the extended time. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. So step number two. After tell the radical truth is be willing to give up the story about who daddy was, who daddy wasn't, how your life would have been had he been there, what you didn't have because he wasn't there, what you could have had had he been there. Just be willing to give the story. To ta- and whatever your story is, whatever it has been, I want you to break it down into a simple sentence. Daddy gone. <laughs> Can we put a can we put a verb in no, there? No, you don't need a verb. There's no need for a verb. Hello. You don't even need to buy a bottle. <laughs> Daddy go. Daddy gone. Or if you Dad. prefer, Daddy is gone. <laughs> See, Daddy gone. Oh, that's still better. Daddy go. Say that. Daddy gone. Daddy gone. Also, your, your a lot of you are mothers. And I hope that for your own sons, who you are covering for, who are not handling their business with their children, I hope you recognize that you're playing a role in this right now. That 51 years later, that woman is still hurting because somebody's mother didn't check their son to go and handle his business. Talk the talk. Okay. Okay. Talk the talk. Reverend Steve Taylor. But, but you know, really, that, that, that's you're playing the role because of the story you tell yourself that I don't want to upset him or I don't want them to feel what I, whatever the story is. So here the real healing is, is tell the radical truth, tell about what you feel. Then I want you to tell your story. I want you to tell it in full-blown living color that you would submit to Spielberg. 
Then, if you have five pages, I want you to break that down to one page. Then I want you to break that down to a half a page. Then I want you to get your fantasy story about daddy down to ten words or less. Really? Daddy gone. Two, right? <laughs> brilliant what you've said for this reason. Uh, first of all, there are a lot of people carrying all of this hurt and pain, and it's coming out in all kinds of different places, yes. and they don't know why, and they don't know where, and they've gone, they become comfortable with it, yep. right? And they're just living with it, and they could live with it the rest of their lives if they don't take this moment yep. to acknowledge what it is, and then this idea, because it's so big, all the things that happened, everything he didn't do, everything you hope, it's so big it could fill up a book. That's right. Forcing people to make this, make this what it is. Yeah. It's just a few sentences in your life that you don't have to live out the entire part of your life. I think that that is absolutely critical because then it makes you take responsibility right. for the next part of your life. Daddy gone. Daddy gone. Now what? So now I'm going to go ahead and now what? You're saying it? I got to go. Don't listen to me. <laughs> but, you know, but, but daddy gone. So what? Now so what? what?